I'm Matt Bush with BPR News. I'm speaking with the co-host of BPR's The Waters and Harvey Show. He has a lot of other titles, too, and we're going to be talking about his newest ones here in a second, but we are joined by Dr. Darren Waters. Dr. Waters, as always, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, good morning, Matt. It's good to be here with you today. You know, I'm always, uh, always a pleasure to be in your presence. So, yeah. <laughs> Likewise, always great to chat with you and be able to talk about this. And I'm going to talk about your new job. It has a lot of titles, but the official title, give us that first. Um, North Carolina Deputy Secretary for Archives and History um, with the North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources. Um, I'm excited about this opportunity. Uh, Matt, it's a big job, but um, we're going to see. I'm going to work to wrap my arms around it. You know, history, as you know, is uh, my passion and something that I love. And I think that North Carolina is just packed full of very interesting and uh, I think instructive stories. Many that we don't know about. So I'm happy to be able to be a part of a, a team that is working to to uh, not only uncover, but to cultivate and to preserve that those histories. So one thing I do want to ask you about, um, as part of the job, one of the many titles that comes with it is being the state historian of North Carolina. First, I just want to get your reaction to hearing that, that Dr. Darren Waters is the state historian of North Carolina, knowing how much history means to you and how much North Carolina means to you. Well, Matt, it is, um, it is, I guess the best way to put it is an absolute honor to have that title. Um, I would have never envisioned myself in this role, uh, maybe 20, 25, maybe even 30 years ago, if we go back to even up in, um, in Asheville and coming through high school, I, I had developed a love for history at that time. And I remember one of my teachers at T.C. Robertson High School, who was Dr. Humphreys, not Dr. Humphreys, but Mr. Humphreys, and um, I took his world history class and just loved it. And I think that that was where, you know, this interest in history kind of started developing then. And um, so this title as a state historian is indeed an honor, you know, as many of, of your listeners will know. And as you know, Matt, because you've heard me talk about this so many times, um, I was a student of Dr. John Hope Franklin. If if there was anybody besides uh, William S. Powell, who many will know that name as the dean of North Carolina historians, John Hope Franklin is another one of those people that I would put in that category who in my, as far as I'm concerned, was North Carolina's historians, historian in many respects. But now I get to have the title kind of officially. So it's indeed an honor and especially to have been trained by John Hope Franklin and to have been essentially his last suit, his last student. So I'm very uh, honored to have this title. So now let's talk about how you envision the role, what you might be doing in this job now. And I wanted to focus on one word, and that is complexity. And mm -hmm how you view history and how you would like others to really embrace history right now is all through this word complexity. So tell us what you mean by that. Well, you know, Marcus and I, Dr. Harvey, Marcus and I talk about this a lot on the Waters and Harvey show. One, one of the missions of that show, Matt, has not only been to, to really tell the story of marginalized groups, traditionally marginalized our underrepresented groups in in our uh, national, our larger national state and, and even local story. But it has been to get people to, especially we as Americans, to recognize that our existence is quite complex. It is. We we really like to simplify things. There's one scholar who, um, and I can't remember his name, who has said that, uh, that 
maybe one of the products or the byproducts of the Enlightenment, which influenced the development of America, was that our desire as Westerners, uh, people of the West and, and Americans in particular here, is to shine the light of truth on everything. Or so that we we look and we see shadows and and we want to kind of figure out what is in those shadows. And we can't always do that. You know, I, I have uh, one of my passions as well is doing sketch art. You know, I do sketches and I know that as as an artist or someone who does sketches, that it's the shadows that actually gives dimension to our existence. And that creates complexity when we can't figure it out. And just life in general, I can say a lot here, life in general is very complex on a daily basis. And I think getting us as Americans, as North Carolinians, as Ashevillians are, you know, across the state to accept the complexity of our existence, I think is something that would be beneficial, especially to future generations. We, we, we try to simplify everything and you just can't, you know, there's a lot of gray area out there and, and coming to the point that we accept that I think will make us make us make, you know, life, I think a little bit better for us all as we try to work through that gray area to figure out where it is that we want to go and who we want to be. So, um, yes, in the historical past, I mean, you just look at it, Matt, it's very complex, the decisions that have been made. Um, how those decisions were made. I mean, five years from now, we're going to be commemorating the 250th anniversary of the American Revolution. That in and of itself was a very complex time in American history. So I want to get us to the place that we are okay with the complexity of it, that we can't always find the answers that will work towards that. And maybe it'll be some future generation that will actually figure something out, but we continue to make progress working towards that. So that's kind of what what I'm thinking when I think about complexity. Yeah, I guess the question I want to ask next uh, going off of that is, how do we begin to embrace the complexity? How do we enter into how complex history is? And we can keep it to North Carolina. We can keep it to the Mm -hmm. United States. How do we begin to enter and begin to understand things in that complex way instead of simplifying things Mm -hmm. in short sound bites or very short ways that we know that people communicate? How do we begin to communicate and embrace that complexity in practice? I think maybe part of the answer, and this is not the whole answer, um, that's a really good question. Um, I think it it's a, uh, it's a team effort uh, coming from every area that you can think of, uh, of our daily you know, economic life, if you want to think about the American economy and we want to think about the work that we all do, the work that you do at Blue Ridge Public Radio, uh, you know, as a reporter and helping to put together programs. I mean, I think that there's a role for you to play there. There's a role for us, I think, as academics to play. Um, What I'm deeply proud of about my work is that it has not just been confined to the ivory tower, but I have tried to find ways working with Marcus, working with you and other people to really engage the public, to kind of give um, some life to this idea of a public intellectual. I think we need to do more of that. I think academics need to engage and find ways 
to engage the larger public. They need to be able to do that in language that the larger public can understand. We we tend to use very academic language in the academy. You know, some people just don't, you know, get. I I have laughed at sometimes about the fact that as scholars, we we tend to make up words. You know, when I was coming through graduate school, I would had a professor who would say, you need to problematize this. And I'm thinking, where in the world did this word come from? You know, so the larger public is going to look at that and say, you know, the people who are not academics are like, OK, where are you guys coming from? So finding a way, uh, a common language that everybody can understand, I think, is a part of getting us to recognize and understand and maybe begin to embrace the, the complexity of our existence and the complexity of the historical past. Those are not, that's not the only thing. There would be others. And the fact that you're asking this question, man, forces me to really begin thinking, you know, about, you know, what are some of the other components that might be incorporated into a program or into a effort to get us to embrace the complexity of, of the historical past? But it's a great question. So let's take North Carolina then. It's history, it's place in American history, and it's current place in American culture and politics and, and, and all of that. It's one of the most closely divided states, partisan politically, and I think culturally as well. So talking about complexity here and using North Carolina as what you'll be focusing on as the state historian, where does North Carolina fit into this and how can state residents, again, as we've seen with census, a lot of people are moving here too. How do we begin to understand our own history in this state in a complex way or embracing the complexities of this way of the history here? And it is very complex here at a time where it is so very closely divided. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think, Matt, part of the, again, another good question, a big question. I think a part of the answer is, getting people to to appreciate and and want to know the history of the state and i mean that's the foundational stuff you know how the state emerged as the state of north carolina what it is there are many many different pieces to that story i find that people are quite a you know especially people who are natives like myself who who is a native of the state uh, a native of Asheville, as you know um you can I get irritated when when folks come in from the outside and don't want to appreciate the, the deep historical stories that already exist here. You know, what what has made us who we are? I mean, and our history goes, as you know, Matt, goes much further than just the colonial period. There's a whole there's a whole lot of history underneath that European colonial experience in the United States are in North Carolina. And so that means understanding the Native American story here, um, of the first Americans. Um, how well do we understand those stories? How well do we appreciate the multiplicity of those stories across the state of North Carolina? I think there's a need for people to say, you know, I, history, man, let me say this. History for me is fun. It's, it is a passion. Um, I'm hoping that uh, we can continue to um, and we can find ways to make historical engagement for people, the larger um, the larger population, fun. I mean, I don't want to just completely Disneyland it or turn it into, you know, some theme park. But there there have to be ways that we can energize the engagement uh, with history and 
deepening the desire, not only for, for adults, but I think for uh, school kids across the state of North Carolina to want to engage the story of how North Carolina emerged, how North Carolina got to where it is today. And I think that that may be part of the answer to getting us, getting us there. Also, as part of the job, you now oversee the 27 state historic sites. So as you're talking about people engaging with history, going to have an experience with it, when you look at these 27 historic sites in Western North Carolina, that's the Thomas Wolfe Memorial in Asheville and the Vans mm-hmm. Birthplace in Weaverville, when they go to a place like that or to go to the, any other ones across the state, I guess, what, what do you want them to, to experience? What do you want them to think about while they're in these places uh, to go and visit them, to have that experience to really engage with history? Yeah, just to think about the way people have lived and how they have built their lives and their existence. Sometimes that story is not always um, a pretty story. And that's a part of the complexity that I talk about. But engaging that, I think that in the in this this country or in the West there, you know, we you know, we're all kind of, you know, if we think you've heard me talk about Alexis de Tocqueville a lot, and Tocqueville talks about this so much in, in democracy in America, that we as Americans are really driven to succeed, what, however it is we're defining what that is. And so, and sometimes we do things that we look back on today uh, in that drive towards success that, um, are not always good moral decisions. And and I don't have to say, you know, go into detail here. I think most people will know what it is that we're talking about here. Um, but I think that, you know, engaging, seeing how people have lived, uh, how people have, have built their lives, recognizing even in making choices that we we would see as bad choices, Sometimes, you know, they were facing complexity. I have been, Matt, for a long time, I think I have been um, haunted by uh, a statement that one historian, Wendell Jordan, made in his book, um, which was published back in the 1960s, entitled White Over Black, which looked at the uh, racial attitudes of uh, white Europeans as they encountered people of color in the continent of in in Africa. And one of the things that he said in the 1960s, and and he's writing this book at the height of the civil rights movement, is that he said, you know, he wanted to make sure that as as a writer, as a historian, as someone who was teaching in the classroom, that he taught his uh, his students to to read history forward and not read it backward. So to read it forward, you have to kind of do this kind of mind trick where you have to try to place yourself in the shoes of those historical actors. They can't always see the outcomes of all of the decisions that they make, but we do. We have we we can see that. But I think that if we are we if we can help our minds do that kind of trick, that exercise of reading history forward, that it that it that man it will force us I think to develop a trait that I think is important for us all to have as uh, members of a community, and that is empathy, right? To be able to empathize with um, the challenges that people have faced. And then there's there are a lot of inspirational stories out there. I think about across the state, you know, if we look at uh, Pasquotank County and we think about Edenton, North Carolina, you have the the history and the story of the Edenton Tea Party, which is uh, during the colonial period um, and 
during the, the American Revolutionary era where women are, you know, announcing that they are political actors uh, in in that county and in Edenton. You also have the story of Harriet Jacobs there. And many people will uh, recognize her name because Marcus and I've talked so much about Harriet Jacobs, who was the first African-American woman to write her um her story of slavery and her escape from North Carolina. And I think that is such an inspirational story. So I'm hoping that um, that as people engage the historic sites across the state, that they will develop empathy for this, the decisions and the lives that people who uh, who are a part of those historic sites have made or had made over the course of their lives. And that in some instances, they will be inspired, you know, to kind of keep working forward with the, with their own lives. You have, this is for all the people who are, are new, will be new to hearing you talk about this in North Carolina. Our listeners in, in Western North Carolina at BPR will know this. You talk a lot about history and memory, how they're intertwined, the differences between them. So if you were introducing yourself to someone and they wanted to know you thought what you wanted to say about history and memory, what would you say? <sighs> you know, history, you know, the, you know, Matt, that's a tough question. <laughs> You're asking me a tough one. I feel like I'm, you know, maybe in a dissertation defense here right now. <laughs> but, um, so, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, memory, you know, memory, we construct memory in a way that is not always in keeping with historical fact. And so history, I think, requires us to go and engage, I think, the most important thing, which, you know, I'm going to be helping to actually oversee uh, working with a great team uh, in Raleigh uh, archives. You've got to go engage the archives and look at primary sources. Look at what people are saying. What are they writing? And sometimes as we look at that, we will see that there's a complete difference <laughs> between the way people actually were living out their existence in the way and in the way that we have remembered that. Um, Robert E. Lee could be a case in part. Uh, once the war was over, Lee argued for putting away these emblems and symbols of the Confederacy. But that's not something that we actually did. And so, but there was political, there was political, um, a political power, I think that, you know, that is, would be the proper way to say it. political power that was, um, that came out of constructing narratives a certain way, as we know. But I think that if we get people to engage history, historical fact, by going to these primary sources, that we often see that there's a big difference between how we have remembered it and how it actually happened. Lastly, our listeners are very happy to know that the Waters and Harvey show will continue with you in this new position. I just wanted to ask you how you view the show, how it, how the new, how your new job really fits into what the show was already doing, and where the show might go now that you are in this position. I think, Matt, you know, I'm I'm excited about the the work that Marcus and I have been doing. Marcus will still be there in in Asheville, uh, laboring at and doing uh, what he brilliantly does at UNC Asheville, teaching students um, and doing new scholarship. Uh, so. You know, maybe one of the good things that came, you know, <laughs> who right now, because, you know, COVID numbers are going back up, who can say that there's anything good coming out of this? But if there's a silver lining in it is that we now know that we can actually do the show from anywhere. So finding the time, I think, to continue to engage the public, which I think this role 
as North Carolina's historian serving as the deputy secretary requires a significant degree of public engagement. And I do know that that is at the heart of what um, Secretary Reed Wilson wants to see for the department, greater public engagement. And, and that, I think, is across the board with his entire team, which I'll be proud to be a part of. And I think that the Waters and Harvest Show gives an opportunity to kind of enhance that public engagement of the of the department. We'll be able now, I think, Matt, really to tell stories across the state of North Carolina. There's so many stories out there. And I look forward to the opportunity of being able to invite people to join Marcus, Marcus and I on the show to talk about some of the stories out on the outer banks of North Carolina, um, to talk about what's going on in the northeastern corner of North Carolina um, and in the south, you know, eastern corner of North Carolina. So across the state, I think I'm looking forward to telling stories that are a part of the, the history and the culture of North Carolina across the state. So that I think will listeners can can uh, expect to hear more of that as we kind of move forward. Well, all you've said thus far in this interview has been amazing. Is there anything else you want to <laughs> say or leave us with right now? You, 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 you've spoken so beautifully already. Is there anything okay. else you want to add to it? <laughs> I appreciate that, Matt. No, just that I am greatly honored that, um, that I have this opportunity to participate in what I see as a as a community effort, we're, we're telling our stories together. I, I am looking forward to having the opportunity, I think, in, in really the first six months to a year of doing this work with the blessing of, of the secretary, um, if, he, if he approves, and I think that he will, um, of getting out and uh, kind of doing the listening tour across the state. I and that is not only listening to people in um, in our communities, but also listening to the people who have been doing the heavy lifting around this work for uh, long before I uh, I stepped into this role. So, uh, if anything, I just tell people to stay tuned and just be on the lookout for those stories. Well, great, Dr. Waters. As always, thank you for taking the time for us. Okay, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it.